0: Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. My name is Chase. I'm here with Jacob. How are you?
1: I am great. Is this 28, 27?
0: I have no clue. 28. Episode 28. I heard it in my headpiece from producer Isaac. 28 episodes
1: of being a, an MLS Netboy. How does it feel?
0: Well... I actually feel as though I've been an MLS net boy my whole life, but it feels it feels good. It's kind of hitting a groove now. Um, ironed out most of the kinks. I listened back to like one of our early episodes not too long ago, and it was just kind of rough. It was rough. Just sitting in your kitchen without Isaac there to iron out the uh, the static and whatnot, and it was it was rough to say the least.
1: Uphill though,
0: <laughs> it's only up from here. Only gets better pretty soon. We're going to be at the Spotify campus in L.A. They're going to be paying us to record our show there.
1: Interviewing MLS Titans such as... Dax McCarty. Kyle Beckerman.
0: Who do you think would be the one player, past or present, that we could get on our show first? Or I guess I should say, who's the most realistic that you would like is on your list that you'd want to get first?
1: Footy Danzo, I think, is a hundred percent attainable. I would agree. Past player, current player. Oh man, you think maybe we can sneak in like a, a backup goalkeeper?
0: Give me a—he's not backup anymore. I'm blanking his name. Oh my gosh, SKC goalie, um, Kendall Kendall Macintosh. Yes. Give me Kendall McIntosh. I think we might be able to get him on here. If not him, maybe like a Kyrie, Kyrie Shelton. Kyrie Shelton, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie Shelton or Eric Hurtado. Eric Hurtado, 100%. Maybe Rubio Rubini even. Because Eric Hurtado's got some uh, some roots in Oregon. Any all, the, Every the, single player we named is Oregon Beaverton, roots. Beaverton boy himself. But anyways, I would say... You already know who I'm going to say. Keegan Hughes. No, actually, uh, Patrick Schulte, um, backup goalkeeper for Columbus. (laughs) Not anymore, starting goalkeeper. But wild week in MLS yet again. Some uh, late drama in a lot of games. A lot of solid results to get through. So why don't we just dive straight into it?
1: About 25 games happened this past week because of the... Wednesday games. I think every team almost played Wednesday and on the weekend, right?
0: Yeah. Getting into that really, like, kind of packed part of the season, especially with adding in League's Cup, um, you're starting to see teams playing three games a week, um, getting close to international break, and some of these teams got to play through international break where usually it hasn't been, like, super effective of the league in the past. I think it's going to start to actually prove to be a big obstacle for some of these teams
1: yeah and I think the rumor is that this will be the last year that happens there's an interview with Tata Martino that kind of inferred MLS is gonna like make some changes and not maybe play through these FIFA breaks which would be great obviously but we'll just cover the weekend games if we did the Wednesday games too this would be a long long episode look them up yourself. New York City FC hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. A 1-1 draw. I want to point out though this road trip Vancouver's been on. Longest road trip in MLS history. Really? From Vancouver obviously to Portland, Oregon to Chicago, Illinois in the middle of the country then to New York City. Completely coast to coast.
0: Oh so you're saying longest like Miles wise, miles not time wise. I thought you were saying like time wise because I was going to say Timbers had a really long road trip when they were remodeling their stadium, but
1: yeah, no, I meant uh distance covered, but seven out of nine points on this road trip for the whitecaps, a one one draw. Ryan Gauld with the PK, he's been on fire the last few weeks. Good draw on the road for the caps.
0: I don't dislike or like either of these teams, to be completely fair. Like Vancouver, I don't really like them just because they're rivals of Timbers, but it's like a team that I still kind of root for. New York City FC, I like some things about them. I like some of their players, but as an organization, really dislike them. So kind of a nothing game for me, if I'm being completely honest.
1: I mean, you don't have any animosity for the team that their coach stripped in his underwear and held up MLS crew.
0: Oh no! Like I said, I mean, I I like some of their players. I really dislike the organization. So fair. It's kind of like a funny balance. Like Vancouver, I don't really have any players of theirs that I like, but I don't Seba necessarily Burhold, don't necessarily dislike the organization itself. But yeah, two teams that kind of are just nothing burgers right now, and and MLS don't really not really fighting for anything. I mean, other than the fact that. Vancouver just clinched Cascadia Cup.
1: In typical Vancouver fashion by actually not playing a Cascadia <laughs> Cup game. Um good point. Good point on the road for Vancouver. Um good run of form for them. Next game, Cincinnati hosting Orlando City, kind of an upset here. Orlando wins on the road in Cincinnati, one nil. Is that the first win in MLS play a team has had in Cincinnati? I know they lost in Leagues uh, Cup and Open Cup, but...
0: This season, yes. That is the first defeat at home for Cincinnati. Big result for Kundo
1: Torres with the goal. Three points on the road from Orlando. Do you think since he's slipping a bit? I mean, losing in Open Cup, Leagues Cup, and now at home against Orlando. Not a great team.
0: What do you think? I think a little bit. Um... They Every team kind of has like a mid-season lull. Like usually you kind of hit this point in the season where you string together a few poor results, but one positive is since he doesn't have a game this upcoming weekend, they get a little bit of a long rest. Maybe they could use that to recover and come back. Cause I think they're still on track to beat the single-season points record.
1: I was going to say, um, not all doom and gloom because they played Wednesday, got a big three points in Atlanta actually. And with that, they clinched playoffs already. First team in the league to clinch playoffs. 57 points already on the season with seven games to be played. Um, but a bit of a, a blip on the radar this game. Next up, D.C. United hosting Chicago. We thought it would be a thriller. We both <laughs> predicted for it. I said it would be a 3-2, or sorry, a 2-1 Chicago win Chasey said 3-2 Chicago. We're both wrong. It's 4-0. DC, Wazzaball comes through.
0: Christian Benteke slotting away two goals. Matthias Cleek got a, a nice assist over the top to Benteke, but Wazzaball may be starting to build something. A big game, actually. We joked about it,
1: but these two teams are right next to each other in the standings. This win put D.C. above the line at 33 and put Chicago below the line, keeping them at 32, so like a six-point game, as they call it.
0: D.C. with the ability, too, to to jump over Montreal. They're only two points behind Montreal, maybe secure themselves a little bit higher in the uh, playoff spots. I think they're too far off from that seventh-place seventh, seventh place spot to get guaranteed uh, playoff game, but they might just squeeze into that play in game
1: speaking of Montreal they hosted Columbus crew their former coach as well Wilfred Nance and Columbus comes to Montreal wins four to two Cucho Hernandez with a hat trick also the Rudy Camacho
0: Derby Rudy Camacho Derby that's true I kind of I didn't even piece together that he left Montreal to go play for his old coach but that's a that's a big pickup for Columbus but, yeah, I mean, we predicted Columbus's midweek game, actually, um, but they ended up losing that game, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know. Columbus still, to me, is, like, one of the most exciting teams to watch in the league right now. Like, the way that Wilfred Nance has them playing it's like, really exciting. He had Montreal playing really similar last year. Um, I don't think he's going to stay in the league much longer. I think he's going to get a, a big opportunity somewhere else pretty soon. I can see it. I can definitely see it. You know what's
1: funny to me is we were just talking about Orlando and, you know, big win for Orlando, but I didn't think it was like, you know, Orlando's back or here to stay necessarily. And we always talk about Columbus being like that team. They're tied on points or tied in games played, actually. Orlando's actually two points ahead of Columbus. So there's just a lot of good teams in the East is what I take away. East definitely looks like the
0: stronger conference to me this year. East has been really solid, especially when you kind of look at the points, like uh, a Nashville who's on 40 points and they're down in seventh place. If you were to just drop them back into the Western conference where they were last season or the season before, they would be tied for third place. So they would be, they'd be on the same point total as LAFC right now. Uh, so yeah, Western conference, just in shambles uh, Eastern conference really starting to seem like it's heating up in Orlando. Yeah, kind of higher than than uh, what we were expecting after a few results. But we both put them pretty high in our like season predictions. I think I had Orlando third. You had him fourth. I'm I'm looking at it right now. You know, <laughs> do you know who you had in third for the East? You're gonna regret this. Toronto FC, didn't? Yeah, I?
1: yeah, that's a rough one. Um, moving on.
0: We're not gonna talk about that. We're not gonna talk about that.
1: New England Revolution. draw against Austin. This was in New England. Kind of a crazy game. Thomas Chonkele, their newer signing from the summer, with a brace. Um, But it was the late show. Alex Ring steals a point. Last kick of the game with a great shot outside of the box. And considering where Austin is in the standings, kind of hovering around the playoff line, same as Portland, same as Kansas City, that could be a huge point in the swing of things, considering we've seen many times teams miss the playoffs by a single point. But what about New England? Because we it's been like three weeks, and we've been saying, like, oh, Bruce Arena's gone, Petrovich is gone. Like, we haven't really heard much about Bruce Arena. What's going on?
0: I still don't know what's going on with him. Like, I, t- I kind of forgot he wasn't there. I mean, I haven't really been paying as close attention to New England as I, you know, would hope to. Um, But, I mean, they're still stringing together enough results that they're going to be a top team in the East. They're going to have a home game. Uh, well, most likely. The East is still so tight. They might drop down a few spots. But they it's clear they have the talent to be able to stay up there. You know, they have the, the roster build to stay up on that top end. Um, But you can't help but feel like this kind of, like, cloud hanging over the club right now with what's going on with Bruce Arena has something to do with these results.
1: Missed opportunity um, as well because 47 points for New England has them good enough for second place, although Orlando's tied with them. New England with the game in hand on them, of course. But two points would have been huge because that would have separated them. And, man, I don't know about you, but if there's one team I could pick winning an MLS Cup that isn't my own team, New England would be pretty high on the list. They've been to five MLS Cups lost them all. I think they went to 3 in a row in one point and I think they could it, they would deserve it. They're they're an original team and the fans have been through some some chaos
0: there. Definitely a team that you would expect to have more success than they have had. Um but you know you can't forget that amazing team they had just a couple years back, you know, setting the points record. Um but yeah, I agree. Definitely a team that deserves a little bit more. Moving on to our next game, though. We got FC Dallas versus Atlanta United. 2-2, kind of a cagey, chaotic affair here. Um, Atlanta on the road, not a bad result going to Dallas in August. Yeah. You know these Texas teams are always a intense venue,
1: especially in the summer. i got Paul Oriola getting on the score sheet. Yaku Marcus as well for Atlanta, lighting it up. But... What this really was, Chase, was Alan Velasco and Tiago Almada, two call-ups to the Argentinian national team. Uh, Almada's been going, obviously. He went to the World Cup and won it with Argentina. But Alan Velasco, his first call-up, a guy who's playing in MLS, you know, hadn't had a cap before when he was not in MLS. So pretty exciting to me. Because Argentina brought a pretty good strength roster to this uh, pair of friendlies or World Cup qualifiers, actually.
0: Yeah, it's, it's exciting to see a federation. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, they're South American and they have eyes on MLS, you know, a little bit differently. But, you know, the world champion federation right now is taking MLS talent seriously and really considering them to be like possible game changers for them. I feel like we haven't really seen that in the past, and that's part of how the league has grown. And um, I don't know. I mean, do you think European teams are looking at MLS quite the same? I
1: think it depends on the team. You know, I think with the exception of a couple national teams that primarily pick players from, like, top four leagues, top five leagues, I should say. But there's definitely a lot of good Euro te- European teams that do call up MLS players. If you watch like the Euros, for example, maybe not like the France or I hate to say it, but like England, like those top teams, you know, who are who are really competing. Those teams usually don't have an MLS player, but a lot of the other teams have like a few contributing players,
0: like the Finlands, the Luxembourgs, you know. I I really appreciate that Argentina's calling up um, players from MLS, but it's also the fact that they're calling up young players, and I think it just has to do with like young players. It's so much easier for them to make their way into MLS than it is for like a random bloke from Serbia to like be in the academy at like Austin or something like that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's cool to see. I definitely love seeing young players in MLS get a chance like on the international stage, especially with such a large like federation is Argentina because it it just hits a little bit different rather than when it's like Peru or like Paraguay like calling up a young prospect You calling out Miguel Araujo from the Timbers (laughs) no it's actually a a past Timbers player that I was thinking of cannot say his name or else we'll get cancelled anywho the
1: big Missouri rivalry does this rivalry have a name Born in Kansas City hosting St. Louis. I don't know what the name of this rivalry is. I know there's some bad blood between, like, FO and, like, fan groups because there's been weird, like, I don't know, trademark issues between, like, them calling themselves certain things. Anyway, this was Kansas City hosting St. Louis, and Kansas City won 2-1. Huge three points for them, putting them, giving them some good room against Portland and some of these other teams in the playoff race. Polito with a brace and yeah. What do you have to say?
0: Uh, so there's not an official name for this uh, rivalry. The one that seemed to get some traction was Soccer Capital Darby. That's lame. My favorite one I'm seeing on this thread though is the Darby Q. Both cities well known for their barbecue. That's a stellar name. That's that is a, the only thing I will can, I will call this star. That is no
1: world-class, actually. If El Trapico sticks, because a lot of people thought that was kind of like a
0: joke at first, that should stick. The Darby Q, that seems like a great name for this. For the Midwest, you got to love it. <laughs> but yeah, solid result for uh, SKC. They've kind of turned their season around, um, you know, sitting in a comfortable, what, 11th place now? <laughs> you know we joke but that gave them that was a
1: huge 3 points because they were in 29 points and that puts them above Portland so you can already tell this race could go down to the very wire Ninth through 12th place is all 4 points separated and then you can go 13th through 7th place and it's separated by 7 points so a couple good runs couple good performances
0: could be the difference here it's tight. it's tight in the West. It's getting nervy towards the end of the season.
1: But we're going to move on to a big matchup in the South. Nashville hosting Charlotte. This was a crazy game. It
0: was a 1-1 draw. 93rd minute from Scott Arfield for Charlotte. And then a 98th penalty from Hani Mukhtar to tie it up for Nashville. Man, they just decided to wait until, like, stoppage time at the end of the game to actually do something for their fans. <laughs> Picture being a Nashville fan, and, like, two weeks ago you had
1: Lionel Messi and, like, all the world in your stadium and watching and this crazy game and penalty shootout to win a trophy. A couple weeks later, you're having to score a penalty to tie it in the 100th minute against Scott Arfield and Charlotte
0: FC. <laughs> The duality of MLS, you gotta love it. I was gonna say, that's that's the true MLS way right there. Those are the games that we live for. Not those League's Cup, Schmeeg's Cup finals, you know. I'm here for the Scott Arfield freaking classic.
1: Is that two goals in like a couple weeks for him? I remember we referenced him, the former Rangers man.
0: I think so, I think he scored last week actually as well.
1: You know, so Nashville sits in, sitting in 7th place, 40 points. Charlotte FC, 31 points. 11th place, just a couple spots behind the line. I feel like ever since Charlotte has existed, they've been like two spots out of the playoffs, like stuck.
0: I was going to say, do you think, obviously they aren't as bad as Cincinnati was when they first came into the league, but do you think they're going to have this like just crazy year uh, like a Cincy where they just get this... Like new coach or something, and it just is like a catalyst, and they are like insanely successful because they have the fan base and they have so much support around them. You feel like they should be like producing a bit better, right?
1: They feel like a you know a Nashville or not quite like an Atlanta United, but solidly supported, and they do a lot right, but just results don't go their way. Personally, I don't think their roster is good enough. They've made some intriguing moves. Enzo Capetti, Swiderski's been good, but not enough, but, it you know, it's MLS. That's the beauty of the league. Within a couple seasons, you can go from a bottom feeder team to competing for a shield or competing for first place in your conference. We've seen it lots of times. Charlotte, you know, not a bottom feeder, kind of hovering around the playoff line. So that shows me they don't need a complete overhaul. They just need maybe some better star players, some better, like, engines of the team,
0: you know. I would agree with that. Anyways, uh, speaking of bottom feeders, we got Colorado Rapids losing away on the road to uh, Real Salt Lake 2-0. But not just any game. Rocky Mountain Cup.
1: The Rocky Mountain Cup. 2-0, RSL wins. Chicho Orango gets another goal. Uh, what a signing he's been. But RSL has won this Rocky Mountain Cup, I think it was seven out of the last eight years, the stat I saw. <laughs> Complete domination. Um,
0: Colorado, I feel bad. Colorado fans in the mud. They are currently sitting on negative 23 goal difference. They only have three wins this season. It's so sad because
1: definitely looking like the wooden spoon team.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I think they've almost wrapped that up.
1: And if you think about two, two seasons ago, they were first in the West, not far off of a shield, and could have hosted MLS Cup. You know, if a couple of things went different ways, and two seasons later, they are wooden
0: spoon for sure. Team. Oh man, it's funny. It's like I just find it funny because they, the owner of a uh, Colorado Rapids, also owns Arsenal. Stan Kroenke. And uh, it's really funny because, like, Arsenal is just down in the dumps whenever Colorado seems to do well. And then when Arsenal starts to, like, hit some form and they start playing well, Colorado just turns into a terrible team all of a sudden. You know, I
1: this one, you know, a lot of other teams who are not doing great, you can kind of see, like, maybe not light at the end of the tunnel, but, like, a solution I don't know what Colorado builds from this. Is there anything on that roster that, like, lights out, screams off the top of the page, like, yeah, we can build a team around this. See, this is a team I think needs a complete just overhaul.
0: This is a team that needs to do the same thing that RSL did. They need to go get themselves, like, a Chicho Arango, or they need to slowly build. Like, RSL kind of built for, like, a few years in a row, just getting, like solid players in that were doing a, like a job. They weren't amazing. They weren't really pushing too hard for anything. Um, and then they kind of made a big statement with their last signing of Chicho Arango and they've been really solid since then. But yeah, when you look across at this like roster, there isn't really a single player on it that screams out like a star MLS player or anybody that could really lead this whole organization
1: yeah i'm looking at their roster from 2021 when they they were first place in the west all these names had left them so drew moore is gone and he played on that team austin Trusty is gone went to europe andre shinishiki played 32 games for them all but two he's gone michael barrios is gone mark anthony k is gone Eunice anomaly is gone that's like six starters right there. They blew up that entire team, and Sam Vines transferred out, Cole Bassett left, Kellen Acosta's gone, like, huge contributors to that team, and all they have left is kind of role players or players who have been injured or gotten older. It's It makes sense, considering
0: like how they got here was they nuked that whole team, right? They're their roster is made up of like depth piece players for other teams <laughs> and you that's know, essentially what like their whole like I was just looking at their roster and every picture is like a random depth Jonathan piece Lewis. player who's wearing like a training kit from the last team he was on like it's all these guys who were like their pictures still not updated and that worked to a certain extent because they have those
1: depth, depth piece players but then they also had players like Kellen Acosta Mark Anthony Kay, like those guys would start on a lot of teams.
0: Well, when you see it work for other teams, like in Nashville with like a Jacob Schaffelberg or St. Louis with how they built their team with like a, you know, Jared Stroud, as much as I hate to say it, or guys like that Tim who Parker. are, you know, like untapped talent, like a, even like a Julian Carranza, like leaving Miami and going to Philadelphia. Um, it's just that Colorado just doesn't know the right depth pieces to pick up from other teams. It's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, so tough times in Colorado. You know, this is probably the most any podcast who does <laughs> not just
0: specifically Colorado
1: Rapids have talked about the Rapids. So maybe that's a uh,
0: well, let's let's keep the the Rapids talk going a little bit longer. Then, how much longer do you think their coach has? I think this is. I, I can't this even This has to be it. I Robin Fraser? Well, right? I don't
1: know because I feel like they would have canned him already. There's nothing left for them this season, right? So no, there's no chance they get anywhere really. I, I, I mean, think I think they'll blow it up this off season. Or at least I would hope for their sake they would. And I think they'll give them another run at it. And then if results aren't coming by next season, maybe midway through, kinda like how Gio was let go, I can see them them pulling the trigger. But we can look at Houston last year, one of the worst teams. I think they were worse in the West. Really successful this year.
0: Yeah. That I mean that's the thing. Only thing I think that's keeping Robin Fraser in his job is he's like he's a coach that has a very solid plan and is really what's the word for? He's very vocal about his plan that he comes up with and he's very detail oriented. It's just that he doesn't seem to have the pieces to work for him right now. He's not necessarily a bad coach. He's a really solid coach.
1: It would be it would be very curious to see him in a, a better situation. However, it reminds me of like Ezra Hendrickson, unfortunately. Number two coach for a lot of teams in the league, well-respected, couldn't get it working in Chicago, and then they, they fired him and they've been better without him. You know... I don't believe it's all his fault, Robin Frazier, in Colorado, but part of me wonders if maybe like his time has run its course. Like, if he can't get... I mean, obviously they shouldn't be challenging for a trophy. I firmly don't believe that. But there's no reason for them to be the worst team in the West, right? I don't yeah, think so.
0: without a doubt. That should obviously be... Se- Seattle. Seattle Sounders.
1: Which we'll get to. But first... San Jose Earthquakes hosting Minnesota United, the Jan Gregus Derby.
0: Oh man, Cade Cowell scoring another goal. Also Timo Pukki. Everybody forgot that guy joined the league. I I was hyped on him. And then, then I was not hyped on him, <laughs> and now I'm proven correct. Chase's opinion on Minnesota United just varies by how Flip-flops much. Flip flops every week
1: depends on how much. Kalen Kyle. On MLS extra time, he listens to.
0: Yeah, I haven't had to listen to her in a while, so. But anyways, Timupuki proven me right. He's just done nothing for the past month, and then I guess he finally scores a goal. I don't know. I just Minnesota is not very convincing to me, and I just really don't like Adrian Heath either. And I just don't. I don't like when people start to hype up this team that to me doesn't seem nearly as good as some of the other teams around them. Minnesota,
1: I I would agree. Um, they've had moments in certain games, to me, where they look like a really good team. Not a contender necessarily, but maybe like right underneath, maybe like a fourth place team. But then there's other points where they just have confusing runs of form. They're tied with San Jose at 36 points, seventh and eighth place. They've got Dallas, Austin, Kansas City, Portland, and L.A. all underneath them. I don't think they'll bow out of the race, but honestly I can see any one of those teams going a little bit further than I would pick Minnesota in a playoff race if
0: any of those teams make it. I would agree. I don't know. This team just confuses me, and I just, like I said, I've never been a big fan of Adrian Heath kind of all it boils down to for me i don't, I don't even want to keep talking about it. let's talk about a thrilling game that happened la galaxy versus houston dynamo nil nil
1: point of peace i don't know why <laughs> but the houston dynamo are the galaxy's like vendetta like their are kryptonite <laughs> i remember a couple years ago when la needed to win i think they just needed a win or a draw at home last game of the season against the dynamo who had already been eliminated They were like up 1-0, and Houston came back in L.A. to knock L.A. out of the playoff race. It reminds me of another Western Conference team who can't seem to beat another Western Conference team (laughs) at home, which we'll talk about, but... I mean,
0: not really much to talk about with the game itself, but L.A. Galaxy's been on a solid run of form recently, and to, you know, shut out like a really hot Houston team... That's really well done for them. And then you look at kind of the end of their season. Um, I think they have a game in hand or a couple games in hand on the teams above them. Um, and here's just the run for the rest of their season. I want I to, yes or no if they'll make it above the playoff line after you hear these games. So they have St. Louis, LAFC, tough games, Minnesota, Austin, Portland, Seattle, Minnesota again, RSL, FC Dallas. I think yes. I think they make
1: it. It's going to be huge, though, because all those games are pretty much teams that they need to beat. Those are huge games. So
0: That's what I was saying is they have games in hand, and then they're playing against all the teams that are above them. So they have chance, They have a really good opportunity here to claw their way up above that line, especially when they get that, that old boy Billy Sharp <laughs> firing in front of goal. <laughs> On all cylinders. No,
1: but Chicharito's gone. And they're just hanging around that line, you know. They're It looks like they're worse than they are but because they have two games in hand. But as we've seen, you have to make those actually count. Um, Gaston Brugman, I believe, was injured out for the season two. So, another key piece. So,
0: like I said, just depends on how far Ricky Pooge will take him. He's been stellar for them the past couple weeks. So, I, I I'm feeling pretty good about la galaxy making it above the line i hope they you know make it above there with the timbers beside them but i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens from there
1: that september 30th game galaxy hosting timbers is going to be huge
0: that will be a big like and it'll be a big game right at the end of the season to you know determine who may or may not you know end their season all I know
1: is when it's the last game of the season and the Timbers need a result on the road to make the playoffs, it usually doesn't happen. And all I know is when LA Galaxy needs a result at the end of the season at home to make the playoffs, it usually doesn't happen. So it's gonna be a nil nil. What's gonna happen? It's gonna be somehow a, they'll both not make it.
0: It's gonna be a stinker nil nil, and then they're gonna get jumped over by like a like I almost said Colorado, but <laughs> no, no chance. Colorado <laughs> makes up like thirty points. No, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anyways, we have one final game to wrap up, and our boy Jacob was there for this game. You already know, Seattle versus Portland, best
1: rivalry in the league. We don't care about El Trafico. Best we- rivalry in American
0: soccer. History. Dare I say North America? I don't know. That's, that's up for debate because you have some classic... Mexican derbies going on down there.
1: You think they'd handle an away day? Well, a couple of them just did, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to
0: say, yeah. They just played a whole competition of away
1: days. (laughs) Um, Easily the best rivalry in America. A lot of history. A lot of good times. Anyway, this was in Seattle. Seattle Sounders hosting the Timbers. A 2-2 draw. Sounds like (laughs) an interesting result, but... I was there live to witness it with my wife this time. And watching the Seattle Sounders implode on themselves <laughs> at home against the Timbers will never fail to make my day. This Seattle's up 2 0, and they get a red card, which you'll get into more in a little bit because you got some stuff to say about that, I'm sure. And Seattle's arch nemesis, the one who keeps them up at night, Dyron Espria, checks in. <laughs> First touch, bangs in a header, lifts his shirt up over his head, pays tribute to his father who passed away a year ago on the date, and then Evander bangs one in. Seattle fans start leaving.
0: It was, as a Timbers fan, an amazing game to watch. You felt like we probably could have pushed on and won that game, but first half was brutal. Timbers just were... All over the place. Terrible defense. There was just, like, no, there was no passion. There was... <laughs>
1: I don't know how many times Mascara got,
0: like, just Oh man, caught in no man's land. He was pushing up to support our attack. So under Miles Joseph, we've become, like, a lot more of, like, an attacking team. And we, we push up a lot higher than the other half and try and, like, pen teams in. But Seattle Sounders are really good at operating in tight spaces and building out with possession. So with us kind of newly taking on this tactic they were just cutting through us pretty easily um but yeah mascara was caught out uh they obviously were targeting like zach mcgraw every time he had the ball like i noticed it like kind of in the first half like he's not the cleanest with the ball at his feet so they would like kind of give us possession across our back line and then when they would be set every time it hit zach mcgraw's feet they would just like press pretty hard and he just hit a long ball to, like, nobody that would just get cleared out. Um, But, yeah, Leo Chu scores a goal in the 30th minute to give them a 2-0 lead. Takes his jersey off to celebrate. So confusing. In the 30th minute to celebrate by pulling your jersey off is... I don't know. I don't know if there's some significance to this rivalry for him other than just, like, having been dominated the past three years. Uh, But... (laughs) I mean, he, he obviously felt like he's pretty hyped about that goal. 23 minutes later, goes in <laughs> for a tackle on Zach McGraw and gets a second yellow and gets sent off. Uh, right at the start of the second half, 53rd minute. Kind of a soft red card, to be honest, but since it was a second yellow, you can't uh, go to VAR for it. Um, so, I don't know. As a Timbers fan, I loved seeing it because you could just – they would pan to, like, the, the Sounders fans in the crowd or you'd see them behind. And just, it went from, like, every Timbers throw. You had people behind the Timbers fans, like, jumping up and down, like, screaming at them. And then after that, there was, like, another throw-in, like, shortly after. And I looked, and it was just everybody sitting down looking dejected. And then literally in the 70th minute after Evander scored, looked, and like, it went out for a throw-in, and there was this woman sitting in the front row who was just asleep. That goal
1: took the wind out of the stadium like I've never seen before up there. It was crazy. Because we've been up there for games where it's like Portland's won by a couple goals, three goals. But that one was even sweeter almost, even though this was a draw, because Seattle had it in the bag. Mm -hmm. It was all wrapped up. It was ready to ship out. And (laughs)
0: Leo Chu just walked by this package and just smashed it with a hammer. (laughs) oh man it was a fun game to watch as a timbers fan the the stats around the game aren't super indicative of what really happened i think shows timbers had 55 percent possession but that last portion of the game we were kind of dominant just because we had an extra man um but yeah i mean timbers needed a little bit more out of this result seattle sounders clawed their way back up to second place in the west uh, so not really a bad result for them overall, despite the feeling around it. I mean, it was, a, it was a rivalry loss. They they had it in the bag, so it was a bad result. But in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the season, when you look back, it's probably not going to haunt them too much. Yeah, it's... I will say Seattle, second
1: place, but three games played over LAFC, who's right under um, a game in, a game extra played over Salt Lake and Houston two games ahead of uh vancouver in terms of how many games they've played so these other teams around them have yet some games in hand to make up so we'll see i know seattle's been in a rough patch of form but they've they haven't lost in their last three games so that's a positive at least you can take out of this
0: Well, in their final six games of the season they play away at dallas away at colorado <laughs> away at nashville and then they're home against LA Galaxy, Vancouver, and then away at St. Louis to finish the season. So FC Dallas and Colorado, I could see them picking up points. Nashville Galaxy, we'll see, you know. But Vancouver, that'll be an interesting game because Vancouver seems like they're going to be pushing for that upper half finish. Just to lose first round. <laughs> Just I to saw a nuts Lose stat. first
1: round at home. It was – so Vancouver, obviously, with this game, we talked about it, but they clinched the Cascadia Cup because – they they, they have 10 points. and Nobody else can make up that difference now. So Vancouver has entered the league in 2011, same time Portland Timbers did. In that time, they've hosted one home playoff game. It's <laughs> what I think I said the sat stock. And they've won one playoff game. Really? Maybe it was they hosted three playoff games and they've won one. But it was
0: something, like, ridiculous. I was going to say, haven't the Timbers played them in the playoffs up there? Yeah. So I'm I, pretty sure we played them. I remember Diego Chara, like, killing them off at the end of the game. Yeah.
1: I think it was they've hosted three playoff games in their whole MLS existence. Only
0: one, one time in the playoffs. Wow. Isn't that depressing? That really sucks for them. But that wraps up our games for the weekend. There are currently two games that are happening uh, – not right now. I mean, there is one game happening right now. Philadelphia's playing New York Red Bulls. It's tied 1-1. New York Red Bulls got a red card in the 44th minute. And then I believe Miami plays as well. Yeah, Miami and LAFC play later tonight
1: when we're recording. We're not going to talk about them because it didn't really work with our recording
0: schedule. So we're going to probably move hear on. literally every other MLS podcast in the world talk about them. And that's not what we're here for. We're here for the common folk. The rapids of the world. We're here for the rapids of the world. We're here for the RSLs. The Caps. The Caps. The Charlottes. DCs. We're here for the true nitty gritty of this league.
1: Anybody who watches only Miami games, like freaking Americans would, <laughs> just to watch Messi play, you know, they're just, they might be here for a bit. We're going to talk about these other games that nobody else would. You you tune on MLS on Apple TV, presented by Apple, presented by Target, and you're going to presented see... Presented by Continental Tire. <laughs> and you're going to see Miami LAFC playing. Most people are going to click on that. No, we're clicking on Houston Dynamo hosting Columbus
0: Crew. Replay so I can watch it a second time instead of watching this Miami game. In French. <laughs> you know, Messi's time here is temporary, but the beauty that is MLS is eternal. That's all I have to say about that. Moving on though, we started a segment last week where we went through what we call the ring of honor for each team. That's kind of a Portland tradition. It's basically like a hall of fame. Um, we did 10 teams that were primarily from the West and I got another nine lined up for us here that are primarily from the South. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a trip down South here. And we're gonna go over some players. I made a quick list, um, so let's just hop right into it. We're gonna start with Austin FC first. First player up, who does it have to be?
1: It has to be Sebastian Driussi. Maybe should have won MVP last year. Some people were saying that. Um, Either way, he had a lights-out season. Pretty much carried them to the Western Conference Finals. Game away from MLS Cup. Had a nuts season. But he's the he's the guy in Austin, right? Any success is going to come through him, and he's really the only player who logically could fit in this category as of now.
0: That's true. Sebastian Driussi is the guy for Austin FC. They don't really have anybody else that is kind of on the same level of, like, stardom as he. Um, John Gallagher? <laughs> But I wanted to put a couple other people in there that I think deserve a shout and that have been like loyal servants of the club. One that I threw on there that doesn't really seem like he should fit in that category, but I think deserves a true shout. Julio Cascante. He's been good for them.
1: If he holds it down and continues to you know, find a home there in Austin, which is cool to see, I can see that happening. I like this other one you threw down here, Alexander Ring. Big piece at NYCFC for many years. Austin FC pays a lot of money for him ahead of their expansion season, and he's their captain. He's kind of like the heart and the leader of this team. We saw this weekend he scored a great goal to to steal a point on the road. He's like, he's the Will
0: Johnson of this (laughs) other green tree Western Conference Club. Solid player for them, and he kind of just does the job wherever he's put. I mean, he, he plays center mid, he plays defensive mid Um, at times. He's, he's gone back to play, um, you know, center back when the coach wants to put his son in the lineup. Um, (laughs) But you know, he just, you know, he doesn't, doesn't seem to make a fuss out of it. He just does his job and does what's best for the team. Moving on though. That's a solid three shouts for Austin. That's as much as I want to talk about that club. We have FC Dallas, and I kind of struggle a little bit. I, I threw one guy down right away that I think is a future candidate because I don't see him ever actually getting a move to Europe, if I'm being completely honest. But I have Jesus Ferreira. Heavily rumored, actually, but I can... I For whatever reason, I just don't see him going to Europe, or if he does, I think he'll be, like, one of those one, two seasons and then, like, makes his way back and plays for, like, a different MLS team.
1: Like... Matthew Hoppe. Literally. Um, Great pick. Um, Yeah, depends if he stays because, yeah, he's had some good seasons, but if it's all for nothing and he ends up leaving, you know, I don't see happening. Another shout would be his dad running in the family, David Ferreira, one MLS MVP at Dallas in, I think, 2010, I want to say. So that's a shout.
0: This other name I put down here, though, I think this is the true – ring of honor guy for fc dallas and it's it's only a little stained recently but i would say matt hedges crossing the texas border i think that's the only thing that really would keep him from getting this you know for most fc dallas fans but he was with fc dallas from 2012 to 2022 so he's been there for i mean a decade seasons yeah he was there for a decade. Um, you know, yeah, 11 seasons. And he was just a loyal servant of the club. He he played, I think he put up almost 2,000 minutes every single season he played. Solid defender for them. Just did a job. And, you know, it was kind of a part of FC Dallas when they were, they kind of did everything under him. You know, they were really poor some years. They were really solid some other years. Um, I think he's the guy that, Despite moving later on in his career to other MLS clubs, he definitely deserves that Ring of Honor title. We got two other names for you. Hit me.
1: Paxton Palmicall, homegrown, been at the club since 2016.
0: Isn't he like 20 something? He's like he's pretty young. Still, he's pretty he? young.
1: I think he signed when he was 15, and so he's been there since 2016. And he's like the opposite. I don't see him actually making the jump to Europe. I can see him kind of holding down this FC Dallas team. He's got quality, but he just hasn't really taken that next leap in MLS. And if he ever does, that's what it depends on for me. However, huge name you missed, and I'm a little bit ashamed of you. Timbers legend, Seattle legend, Montreal legend, Red Bulls legend,
0: but most importantly, FC Dallas legend, Kenny Cooper. See, I didn't consider him for the exact reason why I said people wouldn't consider Matt Hedges, and it was the fact that he played at so many other teams in the league. 121 appearances for Dallas,
1: 46 goals, pretty good. Um, but I know he's still involved. I, the reason I say him is because I know he's still involved in FC Dallas. I think he's like a brand ambassador for them, still goes to games, interacts with fans just a uh, good servant to the club despite playing for half the
0: league <laughs> it's the kai Kamara of fc dallas anyways shall we move on to another team this is a
1: very MLS team and name and these are some deep pulls
0: the first two i think just they're i'll just say i'll say both of them because we don't need to dive into their legacy um kidding me Mr Houston himself, Brad Davis, freaking big old Dumbo year Davis. <laughs> that, that guy was solid for Houston for a long time. Such a such a threat on dead balls.
1: Do you remember how many like free kicks and corner kicks he could just Drop the ball on an absolute dime on somebody's noggin. The uh, and MLS he, James Ward prowse is what they call him. And somebody would just score for Houston to bring one back
0: from 3 1 down. Imagine how deadly that combo would have been if it was him and like Alan Gordon on a team together. Now, I'm sure that had to have happened at some point with how like those two MLS just like l- lifetimers.
1: But I think the difference here was. Gordon was another Domodoro
0: ship jumper, whereas Davis, he
1: stayed with...
0: He was with... And he went to Kansas City, right? He was with Houston from 2006 to 2015. What I will say that you're overlooking here is he played for the Dallas Burn before jumping ship and going to Dynamo. He played for the Metro Stars, Dallas Burn, San Jose, and they played for Dynamo for... Nine years before finishing his career with Sporting Kansas City. What a legend,
1: though. 271 appearances for the Dynamo, 41 goals. um, Took him to, what, four MLS Cups, won two, I think. And the first two years he was there, they won the Cup. Yeah, and made the World Cup roster in 2014 for the United States. Had a start against Germany, actually.
0: Who, uh, who else made that roster? I tell you who didn't make that <laughs> roster. <laughs> Anyways, DeMarcus Beasley. Uh, we talked about him on a recent episode, but just, a, just an American legend, really. Um, solid American player, played overseas, kind of settled in Houston and put up a lot of caps for him. But I think the player that Houston fans would agree with is Boniac Garcia, the Honduran midfielder, defensive midfielder, winger, did it all. Just a stud player that's been there, I mean, 2012 to 2021. So almost a decade. I'm I'm looking at his FB ref, which is where I get all his stats and everything from. Doesn't have another team listed on here, so I don't know. (laughs) Whatever whatever other team he played for just didn't record any stats.
1: The Honduran Diego Chara. A couple other shouts. Brian Ching, if you're an old MLS fan, you'll know that name. He was a legend for the Dynamo. Ricardo Clark, also, about 250 appearances for the Dynamo, played there a long time, held it down. Um, A lot of good players who have come through Houston. You know, they won two MLS Cups, made another two, um, won an Open Cup in the past 15 years or so. So a lot easier than when you're picking versus, like, some Vancouver, are... <laughs> who's done nothing other than host three playoff games in 15 years. That's true. That's true. Who do we got up next? <laughs> the new kids on the block. Uh, St. Louis City, in all caps. And this is going to be one, obviously, it's more of a future pick here. If they continue with the club, hold it down,
0: who we got, Chase? First guy up is... I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Loven, Loven. Edward Lovin, Edward Lovin. Solid, exciting player for them. When you look at his stats compared to other players in MLS, for shots, he's in the top 1%. Assists, top 1%. Expected goals, shot-creating actions, top 2%. So he's in the top 10% for literally every attacking statistic recorded for midfielders in MLS. And then when you go down to progressive passes, progressive carries, anything to do with dribbling as well, he's in the top 4 or 5%. So just looking like a true stud player that's just going to be a star in MLS even though he was a little baby when the Timbers beat them.
1: And the cool thing is this is their first season still obviously. Still in first place in the West. Kind of quietly now I'd say. You know, every camera now is on Messi and focuses on Messi from the league. But any of these guys, honestly, who's a contributor now, who sticks around, I can see being like a club legend. They'll have so much fond memories of this season. Um, really, an unheard of thing—a uh, expansion team doing this well. But who is the next pick?
0: Kind of an easy pick here, but I put Roman Berkey, it's just stud goalkeeper, has a extremely good pedigree. Played with Dortmund forever, and I. Don't see him getting traded anywhere else. Whereas, you know, Lovin might get traded right towards the end of his career, but I could see Berkey sticking around at St. Louis for at least like five, six seasons, and just being that like base of their team from when they first came in the league. I think a lot of people will remember him pretty fondly. Cool thing about him, and I think Lovin as well, if I'm not mistaken, was
1: when St. Louis was announced. Obviously, it was a few years beforehand, and then they start making signings about a year, maybe two, in advance. And they both came to St. Louis like a year early to like learn, you know, get acclimated to the the region, mm-hmm. um, get to know the fans. I know Berkey played on the second team, the MLS next team, so really getting stuck in and putting some roots down where they're going to be playing.
0: Which was it's stuff like that that I think separates certain players. Which is awesome because no expansion team has really done that before. St. Louis was like kind of ahead of their time in that way of like bringing these guys in and giving them a full year to like acclimate and I think that's why they were so successful off the jump this year. They had guys that weren't signed a month before like a few months before and they're still trying to figure out like their housing, everything like that, getting used to like traveling around the city. They had these guys that have been established for a full year now. Got their family there, everybody's all settled. But that's as much as I want to talk about St. Louis.
1: Next up Dirty Nashville. Nashville SC. Some, and, some real
0: choices here. Let's get the obvious one out of the way. Who is it, Jacob? Randall Leal. <laughs> that guy. CJ Sapong. Big, big old nothing for them. Hani Mukhtar. Absolute legend in the making. A MLS legend in the making. Guy's going to be. A player that is talked about fondly across. I don't think he really has any haters. He's kind of like one of those like, see those posts about like N'Golo Conte or like Ronaldinho and it's like they have no haters. That's Hani Mukhtar, dude. Nobody dislikes that guy. Love it. Absolutely love to see.
1: Um, you know when they signed him, I believe he was playing in the in Denmark actually. He was uh, playing for Bronby, I want to say. One of those teams. And You know, had some stints in the Bundesliga, didn't really work out for him. So, wasn't the biggest, like, on radar signing from Nashville. And I think even that first season, it took him a little bit to heat up. But since then, proving absolutely everybody wrong. And he's another guy who just loves the community in Nashville. I want to, I think he got married, like, in their stadium, actually, to somebody from the Nashville area, actually. So, that guy's going to be there forever.
0: Yeah, especially I mean there was rumors a Saudi Arabian club coming in for him, but there's no chance he's leaving. He's he's staying in, in Nashville for the long haul. Got a couple other guys here that solid Nashville players. Who should we tackle first? I'll just I'll take one, you take the other.
1: Obviously, Walker Zimmerman gotta get a shout. Defender, center back, holding it down one I think back-to-back defender of the years for Nashville and if you're an MLS fan if you know anything about certain teams if you know Nashville they're a defense first team and so that starts with Walker Zimmerman's leadership they've had a solid supporting cast around him one of them will mention but Zimmerman what a
0: stud for Nashville my shout is Dax McCarty like you said defensive style team. Dax McCarty is just the general in the midfield that just kind of is the glue that keeps everything together. Without I mean before they had him, nothing really exciting going on. Did they they didn't get him in their expansion year, right? I believe I think, they did actually. Did they pick him up from Chicago? Yeah. Oh yeah, 2020. That's right. For some reason I thought they had a, like one season without him. But You've seen when Dax isn't able to play for this Nashville team, they look like a completely different team. They look really lost through the midfield. Um, just goes to show how important he is. Kind of similar to like Diego Chara for the Timbers, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, change once he retires. But I got this sweet picture of two legends. <laughs> you got the
1: greatest player of all time facing off against Lionel Messi. (laughs) Dax Dax McCarty McCarty. (laughs) versus Lionel Messi in the League's Cup Final. Love to see it. Fun fact about Dax McCarty, when the Portland Timbers uh, entered their expansion season, they had the expansion draft a couple months before they started, Timbers actually picked Dax McCarty with one of their picks from, uh, was it DC United or FC Dallas? I think it was DC United they picked him from. He was at D.C. United in 2011. Okay, so they picked him from Dallas, but they immediately traded that pick to D.C. Yeah, that's right. They traded him to D.C. to get Rodney Wallace. Wow.
0: That's, so, that's kind of crazy because that's Rodney Wallace is a Timbers legend and you know helped us win our MLS Cup. Which is funny because also if Timbers pick up McCarty, I bet they don't go for Chara. Or they put Dax McCarty and Diego Chara next to each other and they become the most destructive midfield for a decade. Because <laughs> um, that would have been kind of insane. Because the thing, Diego Chara, I, I obviously rate him higher than Dax McCarty. But Dax McCarty's still playing, still going strong. Still Wouldn't have it. been, I mean, both of those are two terrific options to like anchor your midfield for a decade.
1: You know, I was going to say overall win-win trade, but not really. I don't think so because he only made 13 appearances for D.C. that next season. And mid-season he was actually traded to the Red Bulls, who he played there for many years, was a captain there um, with that
0: Thierry Henry
1: era. So Timber's definitely a nice piece of business.
0: Next team up, <laughs> Atlanta United... Funny enough, this is the team I came up with the most names for. But I don't want to go into them too much. I'll just kind of ramble them off. You pick any of the guys you want to talk about. Um, I don't
1: even think... I think most of them are self-explanatory because if you follow MLS the last couple of years, you know.
0: Joseph Martinez, their top goal scorer. it's done the most for them. Fell off in the last couple of years. These two, though. Jeff Lorenowitz. And Michael Parkhurst two extremely smart pickups for them unsung heroes anchored their back just two like MLS veterans that I mean you see that that leads to success when you get a proven MLS center back in your team and you partner him up with a British bloke who, uh, he's, uh you know ends up being on your coaching staff you win you win cups that's right you know uh, wait, that's not Atlanta sorry I was, talk- I was talking about a different team there
1: you mean the team that Atlanta beat. <laughs> um another one obviously Brad Guzan. Been with them since their first year, joined mid-season that season, but I mean he's been a solid goalkeeper for them. Won them a cup, definitely
0: regressed in form but still the starter in Atlanta. So last name I'll throw out that I think is a pretty solid shout is a Miles Robinson. Salzizo. <laughs> Forgot he went there. Miles Robinson, still a young-ish center back. He's been with them since 2017. Um, broke his way into the national team while being an MLS player and is a proven national team player that's important for them now, if he could stay fit.
1: Definitely would have made the World Cup roster, too, if he didn't get injured uh,
0: shortly before. Might was... have even been a
1: starter because he was starting for them in qualifying.
0: He was supposed to be that starter next to Walker Zimmerman. We were supposed to have the that MLS center. Down back. south. <laughs> that southern MLS. Just solid player there, but Of course
1: Miles Robinson will never fully complete his potential for the national team unless he goes to Europe and plays in Bulgaria.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. You freaking American. Um but yeah, Miles Robinson, I think. I don't know. I mean, he's... I don't know how old he is now, but he seems like he's almost past the point of moving on to... I mean, he's 26. I don't really, really think... S-
1: I think he can get a move. Like, Austin Trusty was maybe 24 when he moved across
0: the pond. That's the thing, though, is I feel like 24 to 26 is a big jump. As a center back, I guess you, you're kind of not even... Tim in Ream, prime yet. Um, But I don't know. I just... I feel like... I feel like he's almost past getting a move. And I think I think he was right on the verge of it. And if he would have made it to the World Cup, he definitely would have. But the fact that he got injured isn't really helping it. Didn't really help him. And then the fact that Atlanta isn't really that good isn't really helping him either.
1: Another down south big club, Charlotte FC. Obviously. I, I would
0: not say big club.
1: <laughs> Let's get the obvious one out of the
0: way. Harrison awful. <laughs> Uh, you're not going to go with Kalina, their star goalkeeper? Hey, FM, he was our goalkeeper of the year the last <laughs> season. Oh, man, only two names I could really come up with here. Carol Swiderski and Ben Bender. Swiderski, legitimate, solid MLS player. Ben Bender,
1: just fan favorite, was a rookie last season, had a lot of great moments, but I think he was, like, top 10 in the whole league. Maybe he was top 25. For jersey sales out of everybody, which is crazy because you, you think of MLS jersey sales and it was like Chicharito, Carlos Vela, Messi, you know, all those players selling all these jerseys insignia, and then Ben Bender was just randomly in there.
0: They love the kid down south. It's crazy. So he's 22, one of their most important players, and he still is like on the league minimum for a salary. He's only making $85,000 a year. This screams to me a uh, Colorado Rapids are gonna
1: offer him like a <laughs> record tam deal.
0: Him and Kevin Cabral are gonna link up for some electric soccer over in ping it to Diego Rubio. Oh man! Oh, you said RSL? I thought you said Colorado. Oh, wait, I was thinking Diego Luna. Man, I'm all freaking thrown off with how many names we're throwing around today, dude. This has been quite... I I was going to say, no, it's not.
1: This is not quite the day for references because this is like every time we record. (laughs) This is why we did this
0: podcast in the first place. This is exactly why we did it. Anyways, Charlotte, get some history before we talk about you. (laughs) Moving on to a big club. We got Orlando City SC. And I actually... They've had some solid players throughout their their time in MLS, despite not having much success. But I think the one player that really takes it for them is little Brazilian boy who had won the Ballon d'Or. Kaká. Just kidding. I take that back.
1: You know, he was all right for them, but when he was there, they just had terrible seasons, right? So he's more of a... I want to say... Like a feel-good pick.
0: The true pick for them. Swedish center back Robin Jansen. Has been there with them since they came in the league. And he is just stuck by them through the ups and the downs. Never had less than 20 matches played in the season. Solid player. I, I think a lot of orlando fans would agree you know with the, all the chaos that surrounded their club they've had a guy that they can turn to that's been there with them they're thick and thin and never really been poor you know when you think about robin Yansen, he's kind of always just been a solid you know what you get with him he's going to be consistent
1: another one i think is a good shout mauricio Pereira, designated player he was their number 10 in orlando city for since 2019 the same season and 83 appearances solid player probably not that guy for them like a mukhtar but a fantastic supporting player alongside of him um was big in that mls's back uh tournament run mm-hmm. in 2020 that they lost to the timbers but
0: <laughs> just Had solid to insert that solid player um another guy I got here that I we can kind of just skip over I just he's up there with most, uh, almost most appearances is uh, Junior Urso.
1: See the dude who does like the bear celebration? Like, yeah. he just has his mouth open and he just looks like he's screaming.
0: Solid player for them. I don't think he really stands out too much, but somebody that I think should be considered, and I have a weird feeling he's going to come back to MLS, is Kyle Laren. So he had 88 appear, 89 appearances for them, scored 44 goals. So almost a goal every other game. He was lights out. He 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 was part of Orlando when they were a really exciting team. Who do you think he would come to in MLS?
1: I can see like other White than Cap. Orlando. I don't think he'd go back to Orlando. I think he
0: seems like a Whitecaps or like a <laughs> you know, like one of the Texas teams or I could see him Whitecaps is a solid shout. I could see him at like a Charlotte. I think he was reason. at I think he's from the Toronto area actually. He could go back to Canada. Yeah, I mean Canadian international. I could see him up there, but for some reason, Charlotte is screaming for that guy. Like they they need to spend some money on a big name, but it's not gonna. They're not gonna attract like a so they get Kyle huge superstar. It's gonna be a Kyle Laren.
1: <laughs> Scott Arfield didn't tick the box for you.
0: <laughs> not quite. They need to. They need to give him somebody to ping the ball off of.
1: Last but not least. This is least. Smallest club in MLS. Inner Miami, other than Seattle.
0: This team, it was so hard because they've been so bad. And then they obviously obviously it's gonna be Messi. Messi's gonna be the best player they'll ever get throughout their whole history. Um can't be anybody other than him. He's completely changed their club immediately. Just not not only with his play, but his pull and their ability to sign other players. They've signed three U22 initiative players that are going to be there after Messi's gone. And you know, when you look at the build of their team now, despite where they're at in the table, they look like one of the best teams in MLS. So just his effects he's had on their club, definitely going to be in the ring of honor. Don't want to talk about him anymore.
1: Robbie Robinson.
0: Robbie Robinson is without a doubt their best player.
1: Um, You got Drake Callender on the list as well. He's actually been with them since their expansion season. Started as a backup. Um, Finally getting
0: a look from the U.S. Men's National Team as well.
1: um, Love to see that. Um, You're right. That's the only real pick here, obviously. I got some trivia for you. Who was their first captain in club history?
0: Oh, man. I want to say it was... uh... Pizarro? Pizarro? Incorrect.
1: It was Luis Robles, former oh, Red Bulls. I forgot he played there. Played there That's for right. one
0: season, then decided, nope, I'm retiring. Yeah, I don't want to just be picking the ball out of the back of the net for the last part of my career. That's what happens when you have De La Garza
1: and Mikey Ambrose in your back line.
0: <laughs> hey, don't be disrespecting A.J. De La Garza, L.A. Galaxy legend like that, all right? <laughs> Anyways, back to Miami. No. Last player I I put on here is uh Club Captain DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, he kind of came into to Miami like right at the end of his like prime,
1: 2 seconds before Messi got. I mean, it was about a year before, but
0: right right before the end of his prime, but obviously not going to go anywhere else, probably going to end his career there. And I don't see them getting a better right back than him really I think he's going to kind of hold that spot down and just be there until he retires and he's going to be a part of a pretty successful Miami team I mean they were, they won one trophy already they're about to win a second trophy um, they're on track where they could possibly make it into playoffs if not next year I feel like the league's going to be a wash I think it's just Miami's league to win next year with how things are going right now the narrative is already writing itself but I don't know, I just I feel like DeAndre Yedlin is gonna be in for a shout as, you know, one of their Hall of Fame Ring of Honor players. If you would have told me when I was watching the twenty
1: fourteen World Cup when Yedlin kinda of broke on the scene with the national team, him and Messi would be linking up for trophies together. You I would. wouldn't have pictured it in Miami.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say you would have thought he would would have got a big move to Barcelona. Probably not, but in my head, yeah. (laughs) It's going to wrap it up. That wraps up the teams we had this week. Um, Got the big
1: old rest of the Eastern Conference after this. Got 10 more teams.
0: Got 10 more teams to go through. And then we'll have to start being original and coming up with (laughs) something else then. But to wrap us up, we're going to go through our score predictions this week. We picked... uh, There wasn't too many games. I think it's a a light week with the international break. There's only four games on Saturday and then two on Sunday or one on Sunday, if I remember correctly. But we decided to go with the most thrilling games available, and we are going to start it off with Minnesota versus New England Revolution. What do we call this game? Can you think of a connection? A connection here between Minnesota and New England. Oh, man. I got one, but it's a deep pull. It's a deep pull? I don't know.
1: One Agadello. Oh, the One Agadello Derby. That's terrible. <laughs>
0: that's so terrible. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going for a 2-1 Minnesota win here. I think Minnesota, just something about them right now. As much as I dislike it and with where New England's at, I think uh, Minnesota's going to be able to squeak out a win. Shootout!
1: I'm going for a shootout. Minnesota three two win. Um, it's Pookie versus
0: Gustavo Boo in a cold <laughs> night in Minneapolis. Oh, that's that's what MLS is all about. Anyways, next up we got Miami hosting Sporting Kansas City. Should be noted this is during the international break, so they'll be missing Messi. Um, they won't be missing. Sergio Busquets or Jordi Alba, though. Um, And I'm not sure about all their other young Argentinian players they just signed. They're missing the most players in the league from this window. Nine
1: players. Uh, Edison Excona, the midfielder, Drake Callender, Benjamin Kromoski, Diego Gomez, one of their new uh, young players, Sergi Kristoff, their center back, Joseph Martinez, Lionel Messi, David Ruiz, their young player,
0: and Robert Taylor. All gone. You know what's funny enough for me? Aside from, I mean, Messi, of course, the Robert Taylor is probably the biggest miss for them there. I think all those new young players, yeah, it sucks, but they aren't really bedded into the system, so I don't think it would make a huge difference if you had them still there. Him, Except for the center
1: back, that Ukrainian guy, I can't pronounce his name, Kurt or whatever. He's been solid.
0: Um, But you're right. I'm going for a 1-1 draw. I think with them still having Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets, and, you know, just their leadership alone. Like, if say if this was a Miami team that never had Messi and it just had those two guys and that was their roster build, I think this would still be a team that a lot of people would be afraid of just for their leadership and their, like, ability on the ball. See, I
1: don't think so. If if it was just those two minus Messi, I would view this, like, 2020 inter-Miami where it was Higuain and Blaise Matuidi kind of
0: holding it down. I don't... Don't be trashing Higuain's end of his career run that he put in with Miami. That was legendary, but that first... Well, they made the playoffs their
1: first year, to be fair, actually. But I don't think... Because so many of these games Miami's played have been close. There's been a few that have been, like, blowouts, but it's really been Miami coming up with a brace or, you know, a free kick or something, some magic to push them over the line. Missing that many contributors, (laughs) SKC is missing one player... And he's a forward who got called up to Cyprus, and I can't even pronounce <laughs> his name. So they have Johnny Russell, Shallowy, You know, I I can see Kansas City sneaking on the road and getting a big three points. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Miami still wins because this would be huge for Portland. But
0: I I don't. I think Miami's going to pull a tie out here, and I think one huge factor too is Tata Martino is a just mastermind in MLS. Even though when he's got Peter Vermees scoping him out across the good sideline. Old, good old PV on the other side. Now, I, I think Tato Martino is going to come up with a solid game plan. I don't think they're going to try and play as expansive as they have. I think they're going to sit in a bit deeper. And you're going to have a lot of players that are trying to prove a point that they should be in that first team mix with Messi as well. One
1: thing that proves I'm an MLS sicko, that is to note here, 2018 when Tata Martino was coach at Atlanta and that dominant team his only loss at home the whole season against Kansas City, Peter Vermes's team
0: he's not going to let that happen twice he's you know, putting you know he's his putting, legacy would be on the line he's putting Leo Campagna up top and he's going to not hit the post in the 95th minute <laughs> and still get posted on every social media outlet <laughs> Anyways, our last game this week is LA Galaxy hosting St. Louis. This is going to be such a stupid game. Chaos. I already know. LA Galaxy in some pretty good form, but I think St. Louis is going to edge them out here and they're going to win 2-1. I Ah. think there isn't enough fan support around LA Galaxy to really lift their spirits at home against a St. Louis team that is just relentless. And the way they press, Like LA Galaxy isn't clean enough with the ball right now. To be able to avoid that press, and I can I can only imagine they're probably going to be doubling up on Ricky Pooge to to limit his amount of time with the ball. I sincerely hope you're right because once again, this would be huge
1: for the Timbers. But I don't know. I can I can see the Galaxy even winning, but I'm going two two draw. I can just see it being a shootout, kind of like some of these other games we've seen. Uh, LA Galaxy. Like we talked about, Ricky Pooge is going to be pulling the strings. that goes through him. But, honestly, I forget St. Louis is that striker who's been scoring a lot lately. I think his name is Samuel like Samuel Adarin or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's from Seattle. He's from Tacoma, their second team. And he's been scoring since Giao Klaus has been out. So, you're right. I think St. Louis could sneak one, but I'm going a 2-2
0: draw. I could easily see that happening as well. Only thing I would say if it's a draw, it's going to be lower scoring than that. I don't think Galaxy is going to score two goals. <laughs> it's not even that many. <laughs> they just are not very good going forward. But I'm trying to see if any of these, if uh, these teams are missing any players, because I know St. Louis has been solid, but they they aren't missing anybody right now. So they're they're going to be in full effect. LA Galaxy also, I mean, who's going to call up any of their players? Oh, Kevin Leerdam and. Eric Zavaleta so two players that will make a huge effect for them overall realistically Um, but that is it that is our, our predictions for the week Jacob has regained his double digit lead on me he's 52 points to my 42 points currently I was dominating for a few weeks in a row there and then you get a couple correct results and just remind me what's what I guess
1: not for this season, because we're pretty close to the end, but next season, season two of the MLS Net Boys, when we get the intro, the social media, <laughs> the guests, it's a little bit more of an operation. What do you say we put some stakes on, on the season results? Put the, we start betting. Like, loser has to get an MLS kid of the other person's choice. Oh. I got to get you a Jared Stroud St. Louis jersey.
0: I'm going to get you a Ozzy Alonzo Vintage 2014 Sounders kit.
1: That's weird because I met him in 2014 and he (laughs) was just pissed.
0: And you have to wear. Wait, wait, wait. We have to do this, but loser has to go to like a Timbers game when that other team plays wearing that kit.
1: Oh, that's so much worse for me. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares about Jared Stroud in Portland. Hey, I care
0: about Jared Stroud, alright? That would that would eat my soul away.
1: One out of twenty five thousand point zero 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 four percent.
0: Oh man. Anyways, that wraps it up for us. Thank you everybody for listening.
1: Please give us a five star review if you so feel this is a good podcast. If not, that's alright too.
0: If not, then uh you're
1: probably Jared Stroud or a Seattle <laughs> fan.
0: You're probably one of these random MLS players I've dunked on. But uh
1: Do you think who do you think uh, real quick, who do you think an MLS would be like petty enough to just search Spotify for random MLS podcasts <laughs> after like a bad game and see who trashes them?
0: Edward Loven. Really? I, that guy just seems like he just goes home and reads books after games. So. I don't know. It's gotta be somebody who's just uh, probably Bruce Arena, if he knew how to find podcasts, I would say him. Really, I think like Peter Vermees. Peter Vermees, just I could gets, see. Like pissed in the post game um, when he loses. Oh, uh, Josh Wolf, Christian Roldan, Christian Roldan, I could see. Josh Wolf, I could see because the locker when, room, the the laminated league table when they did their predictions and they had Austin finishing like bottom.
1: All of that just to lose three nil. In the game to go to MLS Cup and then end <laughs> up in 12th place and then losing the Champions League.
0: Oh, man. Anyways, before we get even more off the rails, thank you guys for listening. As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.